Welcome to episode one, the 1st of May. This song holds such strong emotions for me, coming from the film Melody, which was scripted by Alan Parker, from the story of how my mum and dad met at school when they were teenagers. Melody follows the story of two youngsters falling in love at school, keeping their romance a secret from their school friends. It's a beautifully told love story, with Mark Lester and Tracy Hyde playing the 12-year-olds. Jack Wilde is the other star. He and Mark, fresh from Oliver Twist and bagged by David in the summer holidays for no money but a nice chunk of the royalties. This was the first of Dad and Alan's collaborations, going on to make Bugsy Malone and Midnight Express. Here's a snippet of Alan talking about their time on Melody within an interview. He'd, one day he, he phoned me up and he said, uh, I've decided that I don't like all this photographic stuff. He said, you've got to write a script for me. And I said, I can't write a script. I've never written anything longer than 30 seconds. So he said, no, no, you can do it. So uh, I wrote this script and miraculously uh, it got made. I mean, it was most peculiar the way we did it. I mean, it didn't even look like a script, you know. And he sent me along another copy of the script and said, look, for God's sake, lay it out like this. He said, otherwise we'll never get the money. And that was the beginnings. The film was Melody, a low-budget story of young love directed by Warris Hussain and starring Jack Wilde and Mark Lester. On location, Barry Brown of the BBC interviewed the two tyros, Parker and Putnam. What we did to start with, right from the very outset, was to go around to schools and we tape recorded what they thought, what they said and everything, so that we didn't really just end up with how we thought that kids of 11 would react and whether they could fall in love or whether they couldn't fall in love or whether... It was the very first interview for television that we ever did and uh, we, Putnam wouldn't do it on his own, so he made me do it with him because he was too nervous. And the two of I always remember, we, we sat on this little wall with the Thames in the background, and uh, we were unbelievably bad. One of the interesting things is that uh, we were amazed how little had changed uh, from the 15 years, 16, 17 years since we were that age. We were like two dummies out of, a, out of Burton's window, you know. And uh, in the evening, I got this phone call from Barry Brown uh, saying, Alan, we've, uh, we've seen the film, and... Uh, Putnam is dreadful. He is quite terrible. In fact, we're going to have to cut him out. And you were brilliant. You, you're just natural at this kind of thing. And I'm on the phone thinking, yeah, really? Yeah, OK. Uh, so he said, so what we're going to do, we're not going to tell David, but we're going to get you back, and we're going to do a whole lot just on you. And I said, uh, oh, fine, great, terrific. That sounds very good. And suddenly, this voice at the other end said, you rat! And it was Putnam. He's, <laughs> I think he found out about me very quickly. The Bee Gees music, including First of May, weaves wonderfully through the film, aiding the storytelling and enhancing the emotions it evokes. I spoke to the producer, David Putnam, or Dad, about how he, as a first-time and unknown filmmaker, managed to get the Bee Gees, already hugely successful at the time, and their music involved. You've got to remember, it's the 60s. London was quite a small place. I had a successful business uh, anyway, with, because I was very well connected with through the photographers largely, um, and I and I knew Chris Blackwell, um, and I was having I must have been, I probably had lunch with, with Chris Blackwell and was talking about how I wanted wanted to get to the Bee Gees, and he knew Stigwood, in fact knew Stigwood very well, and it was Chris Blackwell that arranged for me to go and see Robert. I, Robert had an office at the time in Brook Street. And I went to see him, and he got... I'll tell you who came into the meeting, interestingly, the guy that did the arrangements, Bill Shepard. Bill Shepard happened to be there. 
And it was Bill Shepard who was saying, oh, you know, the boys would love to be involved in a movie. That would be, that would be really great. Um, so, so the keys, the two key meetings were the keys with, da- with Daly and Hemmings to get, the, to get Mark Lester and Jack Wilde, get them free. I mean, that was kind of fundamental uh, because they were, they were big stars. I mean, they were very, very sought after. But it was the summer holidays were coming up and I knew that they didn't have anything. They were desperately looking for a movie for the two of them. And they didn't have anything. Yeah. So it was like uh, by by giving the, the, the two boys and in, in exchange getting a third, I think they got 30% of the movie. Yeah. Uh, it was a very good deal. And then similarly with the with the Bee Gees, because I kept no rights. I mean, Robert Robert kept all the rights uh, and the Bee Gees kept all the rights to everything. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that was special was going through and finding, uh, first of all, Houston wrote a couple of extra pieces. The one... There were all sorts of frustrations. I really, really wanted to get words as well. I couldn't get them. They'd been used. They'd already been bought, bought and used on another on another movie. They were big. They yes, they were. They were big. Robert Stigwood was an early partner of Brian Epstein, and a musical Svengali also went into the theatre, and had huge successes with Jesus Christ Superstar. Was a co-producer on Bugsy Malone and went on to make Grease and Saturday Night Fever. We heard a lovely story about Stigwood's love for this piece, the 1st of May, and particularly after the release of the film and up to his death, Stigwood would call Barry Gibb every year on the 1st of May to reminisce. The story has another full circle, which is that the Bee Gees, called the Rattlesnakes in their first public performances, performed at a local cinema miming along to records. One day, having broken the record they're supposed to mime along to, they sang live and realised they had great talent as harmony singers. Melody was a huge hit in Japan, probably helped by the music as the Bee Gees were already phenomenally successful there. Here's Dad again with an anecdote about visiting Japan around the release of the film. I went to Japan with the movie and I knew it had done well. And I was picked up at the airport and driven to where to a cinema by the distributors. Uh, you, you actually met him, Harasan. Uh, and um, we got to cinema, and it was kind of, it was a cinema, it looked like fairly deserted. So they, we went down to the, the auditorium, and as he opened the door, which is not a joke, like five kids fell out. They were so crushed <laughs> standing in the auditorium that when we opened the door, they fell out. And so we had to sort of Prize them back in in order to get into the place was absolutely jammed. I mean, like completely illegal. There's no way in the world it was remotely legal. And then he said to me, "It's like this all the time. It's like it's been like this ever since the film opened." The film was huge. Revisiting the piece for piano and orchestra, I wanted to keep close to Bill Shepard's original arrangement I'd loved so much as a kid. The problem was always the ending. The Bee Gees artfully tail off their ending with a wistful, unaccompanied vocal. Someone else moved in from far away. I decided to make a new coda and finish the song with a full stop, or in musical parlance, a cadence. Quite a dangerous thing to do and something I usually avoid in film scores. The solution? A question is posed on the supertonic, or second degree of the scale, or strong subdominant. But guess who'll cry? Which is then completed and answered by the piano melody saying, Come first of May. 
bringing the musical journey, I think, to a satisfying close. You've heard some of my arrangements under this podcast. Please see the show notes and links to the music and a video including clips of Melody if you'd like to hear the whole piece. Join us for episode two, Sailing Homeward, where I'll be talking to the great Donovan about both his and my versions of this wonderful song. See you next time. Stay safe and stay well. (laughs) 